Hello, everyone. My name is Dana Peterson. Welcome to the Rural Leaders Podcast, where we highlight leaders from across rural America, sharing stories of inspiration, tools to equip, and momentum to act in your community. Richard, it's great to be with you again. How are things in Missouri? You know, it, it is great to be with you too, Dana. And I, things are going well. Um, we finished harvest, which, you know, as a, as a farmer, um, you know, that's the, that's always the, 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 the favorite time of year, at least it is for me. And it's, you know, if you used a sports analogy, that was the game, right? You know, you, we know what the score is now. And, and we had a good, we had a good crop that, um, you know, we were fortunate, not, not far away from here, things were pretty dry. So, um, so happy to have that behind us, you know, now there's all the fall work and, and I think, um, you know, we start to start to think about the holiday season, right? It's right around the corner. It is, it is. And you know, here in Kansas, we are also wrapping up uh, fall harvest. My brothers probably have another day or day and a half left. Um, and, you know, everyone in our small town is really looking forward to those families as, as they kind of get through this busy season. Um, football season is is towards the end as our teams go through district and, and state championships. So really coming to the, the end of the fall season here in, in rural Kansas in Smith Center. Um, and we are looking forward to the holidays. And I don't know about you, but for the holiday season, there's a lot of chances for the extended family to get together and to tell stories. There's a lot of chances for our rural community to also do some additional marketing as we encourage our, our residents and others to shop local. Um, we've, we're making plans for um, holiday uh, events here in downtown Smith Center as well. So I think our our series on rural storytelling is an, a, an important one for this season as we uh, focus on how we tell our stories as rural communities, but also kind of who's listening to them, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, different holiday celebrations from my family in the past. You know, we have a number of our family that are here um, locally and, you know, have never left northwest Missouri. But we have some that have. And, and you know, it's always interesting to get caught up on, on, on what, as you mentioned, extended family are doing. But I think it's also, I mean, I've always felt this way anyway. I, it's always a chance for us to kind of show off um, you know, what's happened in the local community right here in rural Northwest Missouri when we have guests come in. Um, some, you know, some maybe were born and raised here, some that were not, but a, ch a chance to put our best foot forward, as they say, um, with, uh, with our local communities. And I, I just love those uh, small uh, rural community uh, holiday celebrations, you know, the Christmas, uh, Christmas parades and those kinds of things. And they're, you know, they're, um, you know, while they're a lot alike, they're all very unique to themselves. They are unique and they're changing, you know, the way we communicate with 
the people that are closest to us and those who are around on the other side of the world is changing with TikTok and with um, kind of our acclimation to being able to, to video different events. There are certainly lots of, of changes in the way we're communicating. And so I'm really excited for this part, this episode of our Storytellers series, where we're going to have Phil Ike with us. He's the founder of Storyville out of Bay City, Michigan. And he has a fascinating um, way to tell stories for rural communities, for um, for small businesses and, and for others. So we will be back in just a moment with Phil. When I was in foster care, I never knew when I would have to move. So I always had my suitcase ready to go. Then one day I was adopted. My new parents opened their hearts and home to me. My parents cook my favorite breakfast for me every morning. My parents take me on trips I never thought I would go on. They gave me a home and an even better reason to use that suitcase. My parents aren't perfect, but they're perfect for me. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. Welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast. And we are um, thrilled to have with us Phil from Phil. Uh, Phil is a teacher, a, a self-made marketer, um, and storyteller. He uses photography, videography, podcasting with his quote-based storytelling. So we're thrilled to have you with us, Phil. Um, I learned of Phil's um, methods and, and um, the, the, the madness of his storytelling uh, journey through uh, a podcast I listen to regularly calling grow, called, called Growing Small Towns. And so I reached out to Phil and uh, was thrilled to get to know him and, and learn more about your, your story and your um, storytelling. So, Phil, you know, I think your experience is, is really um, unique in that you've had the opportunity to not only help business people tell their stories, but also communities as a whole. Um, and so, like, from your experiences, can you kind of just tell us a little bit about that storytelling journey and then how you've worked with rural community leaders to tell their story. Yeah. So the, 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 the short version of the long, the long story was I, I was a teacher and my brother started a business and I left teaching to help him uh, essentially start, start this business and things were going really well. We didn't really know what we were doing, especially on the marketing front. No idea. Like I was teaching fifth and sixth grade. He was building guitars. Marketing was just completely foreign, but we had this idea that we were going to just really make it about people and make it real and take almost a documentary style approach to it. And it worked really, really well. And, um, uh, business was going good. Unfortunately, I was getting really poor. 
And uh, I, I, in an act of desperation, I thought, well, what is something I could do that people would pay me money for? And along with building guitars for my brother, I was also taking photos of the instruments and running social media and things like that. And so I picked up my camera and, and started walking into random businesses just to kind of build a portfolio. And I would say, I, I'll do photos for you for free as long as I get to use those photos in my portfolio. And so over the course of an hour, I would take photos and I'd be asking them, like, why did you become a cobbler? Uh, walk me through the process of how to fix the shoe. And I would take those quotes from those, those people as I was doing the, that work and I'd turn them into the captions for the posts that I'd make to try to create some kind of buzz. And uh, eventually the city of Saginaw reached out and they were looking for ways to, to really rehabilitate their reputation. Saginaw is an amazing uh, community, but unfortunately it gets stereotyped very hard as only a place of crime and poverty. And they were looking for a way to transcend that narrative. And so the idea came about, well, what if we just went really hard into this human faces, human stories philosophy and allow the people of the city of Saginaw to market the city of Saginaw itself by telling their own stories. This is what I've overcome. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I love my community. And so we just crossed the three-year mark with that work with the city of Saginaw. And those stories have been seen close to 30 million times in a city that is about 48,000 people. And um, that work really spurred on uh, my work with other communities across uh, Michigan and South Carolina and Ohio, as well as some, some consulting in places like Virginia and soon to be Mississippi and Wisconsin and other places like that. And so it, it's been... It's been kind of a wild ride up until this point, but one of the most transformational experiences I've, I've, I've got to experience going into these communities and really digging up their identities and their stories and the, the, the realness of the community and then amplifying that to the world. It's just been, been the absolute best three years. That, that, is a, that is a great story, Phil. And I, I'm curious how... So how do you how do you def, uh, identify a community um, that that maybe you want to go into? Are they are they proactively reaching out to you? Probably now they are. Um, but earlier, after after the experience or the experiment, um, you know, in Michigan, did you did you go to other communities um, to do something similar before you became famous? <laughs> um, no, I've actually never directly solicited a community. Um, Saginaw was really kind of the, the only one. They, they sent out a request for proposals and I submitted one. And, um, but since then, I've, I have never gone and solicited a community. It's been simply uh, word of mouth, uh, other communities seeing my work. Uh, downtown happy hour Facebook group kind of connected me with the Main Street community as well as a, a lot of other folks in the community development placemaking world Main Street world and that's really how how it's happened I, I have never solicited uh, a community for work and uh, which which I love because I'd be terrible at it <laughs> <laughs> so Dana can I ask a follow-up question yeah go ahead so um, so there are a lot of great stories in rural America, um, and and I think that we we probably um, we probably 
are, are not, we like to tell our stories. We're just not exactly sure how to do it. But I also think some folks are maybe reluctant to do it. So why do you think, why do you think some folks are reluctant to tell their story? Is it, is it fear? Is it just don't know how to do it? Um, or what, what do you think, Phil? Um, I, I think it's a combination of, of those things. I think um, a lot of times, I venture to say most of the time, it's it's not that reluctance isn't as intentional as the word reluctance conveys it to be. It's a lot of, it, we don't know what we don't know. And specifically within uh, the realm of community marketing and community storytelling, um, that that's a challenge that's not that rural communities are not alone in. You can go to big communities, huge communities that on the outside look very successful and they're terrible at telling their own story. They have no idea how to do it. They're, they're, they, in a lot of ways, are just as resource-strapped as smaller communities, but on a completely different scale and, and all of these things. And, and they, just, they just don't. And so in the midst of something as complex as a community, marketing and storytelling and this quote human interest stuff it's really easy to get tossed to the side because well, we're, we're we're dealing with multi-million dollar projects or on the rural scale we're trying to get a uh, better internet better infrastructure here we're trying to get this building fixed by somebody like we we have these really pressing issues and so that's kind of where the an intentional uh, disregard for storytelling comes in because you, you're like, we've got some really big issues. And so I think that's where the re- some of the reluctance comes in, it specifically in the rural context. Uh, I, I think sometimes it, it's feeling, well, we don't really have a story to tell. We're, we are a community of 500 people. Like, what is so special about us? And we become desensitized to the uniqueness of it to the importance of feeling connected and having a sense of place because we just kind of exist and we just kind of coast and we're just dealing with our day to day and it's not really a priority. And, um, and, and so I, I think some of it is, is that uh, there's also like issues of um, changing politics. Uh, you, you have things like limited resources. We simply don't have that amount of money to spend. Also, I think it's it's a it's an unawareness of what the effect of storytelling can be and the importance of it because it's it's kind of a form of nimbyism. So, if we have ten thousand dollars, you're telling us that we should spend ten thousand dollars to spend on storytelling over the course of the year when that ten thousand dollars could get us a and then everybody fills in their own blank, more parking or this signage or, you know, whatever it is people need. And so part of the challenge is just convincing the community at large that it's valuable and that it's important. And then more than those two things, it's absolutely critical to the life and health and perception of the community. You know, Phil, one of the things that I've been struck with as I've seen and listened to the stories that I hear um, from Storyville is that the stories are really centered on people and our communities are made up of people, right? A lot of people, I think in rural America don't see themselves as special. They see themselves Mm. as fairly normal or, or for most of their life trying to blend in, 
to what's happening in the community. And so for someone who mm-hmm. has spent a few, you know, a few years, a few years, some more than others, trying to blend in, I can see how trying to tell your story or um, the story of your business or the story of your community would be hard. What do you think um, in kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a way to help people understand that each one of us as humans have a story that's worth telling? And how do we get people in rural America to to believe that? So I, th- I think that the best way to go about doing that is like, like you can talk this talk all you want and you, you could go to communities and say, storytelling is important. You have a story to tell you are special you know, over and over and over again, but chances are they are not going to believe you. They're, they're just not. I mean, it sounds like you are a passionate person about storytelling or you're trying to sell me on something or this is a good idea, but that doesn't apply to us, whatever. Um, and and it's it, it's not going to work. And, and it's similar to uh, like if you're talking to somebody with with a, a very low self esteem, they're in the struggling with depression, or they just have a self image that is just incredibly negative. You can say you're beautiful, you're nice, I love you, per, your personality is great, I love hanging. You can say that all you want. Most people in that situation are not going to believe you. So what the best uh, strategy is there is to simply show them. And so what I would do in a community, trying uh, say I'm trying to get the community on board with the importance of storytelling and what we have to do, I would just go out and start doing it. I would pick f- five people within the community and I'd say, hey, w- w- would you be willing to sit down for a 20-minute conversation? I just want to get to know you. I want to share your story. You do it, you create these stories, you grab some great photos, you start posting it on social media, people are gonna absolutely lose their minds. They're going to lose their minds because when they wake up in the morning and they roll out of bed and they grab their phone and they open up Facebook and Joe the farmer down the road, he's staring them right in the face and Joe's telling him how I'm fifth generation farmer and et cetera, et cetera. And this, and this happened and this is the greatest challenge I've had to overcome. And you know, all of this other stuff, people are going to go, Joe, I had no No idea idea. about any of that. Mm -hmm. And then you do it again with another person. You do it again with another person. You do it again. And that's going to be how you convince people. And because you've shown them their story has value. Uh, from the audience side, they're going to lose their brains. They're going to say, I had no idea. I have like, I love these stories from Joe's perspective. He's going to feel like the king of the world because here Joe has like been riding his tractor for the last 30 years or 40 years. And now he has this moment where the community rallies around him. They like his story. They comment on it. Uh, People run into him in the grocery store and they say, man, Joe, I read your story. That is the coolest thing. I did. I did a quick, uh, quickly uh, an antidote for this. I used to do work for a machine shop out in the thumb of Michigan. And there was this older guy there working at the machine shop for literally 50 years, half a century, 
the crabbiest dude you've ever met. I would walk in there every day with my camera and he would scowl at me, be like, get that thing out of my face. And one day after a bunch of months, I finally convinced him to talk to me just a little bit and take a nice portrait of him. And the next week when I, I went to the machine shop, he wanted to show me everything. He wanted to show me how to do this and do this and do this. And I was like, hey, I have to ask you, like, what, what, what's made the difference here? And he goes, well, I was at the pharmacy in line waiting for my medication last week. And the cute girl across the counter said that she saw my story and she liked it. And I was like, this, this is amazing because not only did that business benefit, people were like, yeah, I go to him. They got all sorts of word of mouth things, but his life changed because his perception of himself changed. Here he had been a half a century sequestered in this little machine shop. Nobody cared about him at all. But when that story amplified who he was, people realized that he is world-class at what he does. People come across the country to, so that he can work on their race cars. And that's in the thumb of Michigan. And that sense of pride is something that on the micro level can happen through community storytelling. But then you do that over and over and over again, you have armed an entire community with such a sense of love and empowerment and pride and connection that just cannot be replicated in any other way. That, that is, that is great to hear. Um, and it, so, so as you were, you know, as you were talking, Phil, I was thinking too, that certainly it, it is important for the folks that the story is being told about and they're looked at from a different perspective and they feel differently about themselves. But it also changes some um, perceptions that the audience has too, right? I think, um, and that Absolutely. could be that could be the catalyst for change for a community, for you know, for a um, for an occupation. Um, you know, we've been doing it in agriculture for a long time. We've we've been trying to tell like personal stories about what we experience in agriculture, and it does change the perception of the audience about what they thought before and what they think after they hear the stories. It allows yeah, absolutely. them to see yeah, I, I, other, I, other humans as humans, right? It's the same thing that happens in our families when we tell stories around the holidays. It's the same thing that can happen in a, in a community and bonding the community together, healing some wounds, you know, reestablishing love and, and respect amongst neighbors. And, and I think it can be really transformational. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and quickly here, just to, to comment on that is uh, storytelling is the root of every community. If a community does not know its story and it does not know its people, you don't really have a community. You have a, a group of people who happen to live in the same plot of land and they kind of coexist and we kind of get along and we're kind of trying to do things. Storytelling is the basis of every community. And so when you do this well and when you take up the mantle and the responsibility of saying we are going to do this better because it's important, uh, it is absolutely transformational. How amazing. I can't believe that time 
for our conversation has come to an end so quickly. I know. I want to talk about this for another four hours. <laughs> I know. I mean, it would be fun. We could tell stories for hours, actually. This is this would be mm-hmm. a great group to do that with. And that is that is exactly uh, the type of podcast that we want to create. But but Bill for folks who want to get a hold of you, um, please let them know how people can connect. So if you want us to shoot me an email, it's uh, phil at storyvillesocial.com. Uh, my website is storyvillesocial.com. And uh, probably the best way to connect with me in the future would be uh, follow my newsletter, Substack. It's uh, it's free. It's uh, storyville.substack.com. Uh, dot com and so lots of content going forward stories and how to's and all sorts of stuff like that free no charge for that and it's probably the best way to connect with me there yeah i have really appreciated that newsletter so thank you for being with us phil and uh we'll be back with the rural leaders podcast in just a moment hey bobo do trees tell each other stories i'm sorry i'm afraid i don't know that hey why don't we go find out Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! Thank you. Welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast. Richard, another conversation that went way too fast, but was uh, thoroughly a lot of fun. It, it did. And, you know, Phil, when I, you know, when, when you were able to get Phil to come on and, and I saw a little bit of his bio and a little bit of his history, I knew it was going to be good. And, and you're exactly right. You know, we've had, we've had a number of guests here on the podcast that, that the conversation is too short. And, you know, a lot of times we say, Hey, we'd like to have you back. And so, I mean, I'm going to put Phil in that category as well. Like, I think, I think Phil would be fun to have back uh, on another episode, but yeah, I just think, uh, you know, I just think that he is, um, you know, he's doing the right thing when it comes to helping communities and individuals and humans tell their story. And and I, you know, I can't, um, uh, I can't think of a better way to do that. Like folks like to look at photography and they like to look at images and um, and so you know, I think <clears throat> I really think he's he's really onto something. I agree. I agree. And I think what I took from our conversation more than anything is that when you have naysayers, it's best just to get going with it, right? Like just get started and, and then people will learn along the way. And so if I think about rural leaders who want to tell stories Maybe the best advice or that best practice to adopt is just get started. 
tell the story in the newspaper or on their Facebook page or, you know, in TikTok or other other things that are out there. So just get started. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, like um, let's use this podcast as an example, right? Like, <laughs> you know, we we are not professional broadcasters. Um no. And, you know, um, well, thanks to you, Dana, we, we just got, we just got started. I mean, that's how this, that's how this thing came about. But I, but I think that, you know, in, so in my time and doing other things, you know, the message that I would give folks, and, and it was primarily in the, in the agriculture community was we've got to tell our story. Right. And the three components to telling that story where it needs to be personal. So it needs to have how does it affect me, my story, but also how does it affect you? It needs to be positive. Folks cannot listen very long to a story that is not positive. And it needs to be consistent, right? Like what's going, what these great things that are happening in rural America, and they are great things, but it drives, it drives change in perception. And it also can drive business. It can drive attention. It can drive positive things that happen in your community if you're if you if your community is a rural storyteller that's exactly right you know here in north central kansas we are in um our tourism season aka hunting season right. so we have people that come from all over the country to hunt birds and and deer and other um other things and so I think right now for my hometown, being able to tell our story to the people who are visiting temporarily um, is very important. It is. It absolutely is. Same thing here. Um, opening day of deer season is, I forget what the date is, um, but it is, so it's already come and gone, but um, our little two lane blacktop highways um, at, 5.30 in the morning on opening morning look like a freeway in Washington, D.C. <laughs> there are more people in Harrison County, Missouri on opening deer season than I think there probably is any day of the year. Right. So for other rural leaders who are in that situation, this is your permission, your ticket to tell your story. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you'd like to connect with us, connect with Phil, about storytelling or any other subject, please feel free to email us, Dana at the Rural Leaders Podcast or Richard at the Rural Leaders Podcast. Um, until we meet again, we'll be looking for stories of inspiration, tools to equip, and momentum so that you can act in your rural community. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again next time. See y'all. <laughs>